0: This podcast exists in part because I lost my job. This past August, I lost a job that I had held for five years. Uh, it was a job that I was very passionate about, that I believe I saw God work and heard him speak in some amazing ways over the years. And losing it was hard on many levels. It was confusing. I didn't understand. Uh, I didn't think it was fair. But what was really beautiful about that space is that God had actually prepared me for that. And that's a story for another day. But God had given me a heads up that I might be losing the job. And more importantly, he had given me a call to live into who he was and who he had created me to be, no matter what happened. And so from the moment that I lost my job, I found that I had the capacity to exist in that space. And I continued in that space for weeks. And one of the pieces of what God wanted me to do in that space was I felt like he was saying to me, Paul, I'm doing some stuff, stuff that you don't even know, and I want you to share those stories with people. I want you to be open. I want you to be transparent. I want you to be vulnerable because I want you to invite people into your journey. And so I started doing it, and it took many forms. It took the form of conversations with friends, uh, Facebook posts, emails to folks who were praying for me. And one of the most beautiful things is seeing how God worked in others through the story that he had put in me. Well, things got hard. The reality of being unemployed set in. The challenges of a job search, and particularly a job search When I felt like I knew what I wanted to do and I couldn't find it in any of the postings. Uh, A job search when there was internal things that I was working through. Y'all was in a hard space. And in the midst of that space, I started to second guess that calling to tell my stories. To be open and transparent. Was it really fruitful? Was it really responsible? Would people just take it as me trying to put the attention on myself? Was I possibly fooling myself? Was I creating a narrative of a God who was at work in the midst of hard things so that I didn't have to actually deal with the pain of being unemployed? The struggle was real, y'all. And God, in his infinite power and goodness and love, had no intentions of leaving me there. I have a habit of reading the verse of the day, first thing in the morning. And this past Sunday, I came across a passage that was exactly what I needed to hear. It comes from Psalm chapter 40, verses 9 and 10. I proclaim your saving acts in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips, Lord, as you know. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and your saving help. I do not conceal your love and your faithfulness from the great assembly." And y'all, I needed to hear that. I had had all kinds of reasons to stop sharing. It was hard. It was getting to some really vulnerable stuff. It might even call out others. And I'm a peacemaker, so I don't want to call out others. And I didn't know where the story was going. I didn't know if it was going to have a happy ending. There's lots of reasons to not share. And God wanted to say through this passage, look, Paul, I made it very clear to you in August that I wanted you to be open and transparent and vulnerable and share your stories because I want you to invite people into this journey I'm taking you on because this journey is not just for you. So i just giving you this friendly reminder to not seal up your lips, to not hide what I'm doing, to not conceal my love, you need to put that stuff out there. When I, uh, <laughs> when I lost the job, I had no intentions of starting this podcast. In fact, a month in uh, to my unemployment, I still didn't even know if this is something that I would want to do. But it just something about it felt like it's what needed to happen. So much so that I didn't even have things in place when I finally said, OK, I'm just going to start doing this. One of those things was realizing that the core of this podcast eventually is going to be the stories of other people and not my voice. And I knew that it was going to be a challenge to get stories because there's so many reasons. One, who is this Paul guy and why should I tell him my story? Two, why do I want my story on a podcast for thousands and thousands of listeners to hear? We'll get there, folks. Don't worry. Three, why would I share Something that's very personal and vulnerable. Four, I don't even have a story to share. Five, I, I feel like I might have a story to share, but it's not done yet. And I could keep on going, right? We, we know that this list can be a long list. And I know what I'm asking here is crazy, right? And yet, I feel like it's worth asking. I feel like it's worth asking what your story is, what God is saying you're doing. And so today, we explore a little bit about why stories are so valuable, why it's so hard to share. We're going to hear from a couple folks who share their stories. And I hope, I hope that by the end of this episode, you feel encouraged that your story and your voice matters and that there is a power that God wants to exert through the telling of your story that is something that huh, is just above and beyond anything we could ask or think so thank you for joining us for episode three of the where did you see god podcast all right so i'm excited This morning, I am sitting with the amazing Toya, and if you don't know Toya, you need to know Toya, because Toya is just amazing. Toya uh, works with Easton Fellowship, uh, but she's just a big part of this community and and people's lives, and I'm really excited to sit with her because uh, I've been thinking about this episode of why it's hard for us to tell stories and why it's valuable for us to tell stories. And I kept thinking, who is it I need to sit down and talk to, and I don't know why, but Toya kept coming to my mind, kept coming to my mind. And then I started to realize that makes sense because in a lot of ways, you're kind of the gatekeeper for Stories for Easton Fellowship. You're, you're often that person that people come to first or that person who is receiving those stories through email or other things that's then sending them onward. So you probably hear a lot of stories.
1: true. I hadn't thought
0: about it that way. Um, I'm opening minds and changing lives. Um, One thing I like to do before jumping in is uh, I feel like it's important to pray, so can I pray?
1: Yes, please.
0: Father God, I just want to thank you that you are God and you are good, and I just thank you for this opportunity to just stop and think for a moment, why is it um, that it's hard for us to share what you're doing? If you are so amazing and so powerful and so at work, why is it hard for us to think of those stories, to tell other those stories? Um, but also, um, I pray that you would just give us wisdom and discernment to recognize the value in sharing who you are and what you're doing. And so we give you this conversation. We pray that mm-hmm. it's you who speaks. Uh, we just thank you for the gift um, to be able to even think about this. In his holy name, amen. Amen. So Toya, what's... Um, What's the uh like 15 second version of who you are that the, the people, all the listeners, all of them, thousands of them listening. Oh my god. <laughs> it's <gosh>. it's <laughs> like, like 25. The
1: 25 <laughs> people we already know. <laughs>
0: yeah, we already all know you. <laughs> yeah, what's the 15 second? This is Toya. Uh
1: who I well, my um Instagram bio says believer, singer, writer, reader, nature lover. Hmm. I think that's the short version. I like it.
0: That's good. And one of these words is reader. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing a lot of people know about you. Most of your Instagram photos, I believe, are
1: Me reading books in reading random book places. In random
0: places. Why is that? Why why are you a reader?
1: Um, when I was a kid, my parents did not allow us to watch television. I have a brother and a sister. And I'm the eldest of the three of us. And we could watch one hour a day, Um, but we had to agree on what the thing was we were going to watch for the hour, and we had to watch it together. So if there was any arguing at all, forget it. No one gets to watch TV. So yeah, it was easy for me to be like 14 watching Barney so that
0: everyone would get to watch TV because... Barney's better than nothing, is it? Right, right, right. maybe, Um, but
1: yeah, so that the next time, I'd have an opportunity to watch something I wanted to watch, but yeah, so um, that being said, there was a lot of time, you know, and I read every book in my parents' house, I discovered lots of things that, you know, maybe it was too soon, but (laughs) I just, yeah, I started reading, and I liked it, and my dad read to me every night, and so, yeah.
0: And there's Aaron Rose. Hey, Aaron! We, uh, we've here in Aaron's office. office.
1: Well, don't let me interrupt. <laughs> Thank you.
0: Uh, for those uh, avid listeners, uh, in a moment, in a, well, not a moment, in some moments, I will be sitting with Aaron in this very office Yay. for a future episode. But that is not this episode. <laughs> so, you read a lot of books. Um, why is it, for you, why is it that stories are so powerful, right? Like, cause I mean, you read, cause you kind of had to, if you wanted to be entertained, but I imagine there came a point where something shifted because here you are grown and you're choosing to read. What's, what's so important about stories?
1: Um, I really like and enjoy experiencing things that I couldn't otherwise experience or maybe even wouldn't want to experience um, by reading stories. Especially, I love autobiographies, biographies, memoirs, when people lead very interesting lives, it's like, whoa, how did you get there? Or like, how did that happen? Um, I love imagination. Mm -hmm. I am an avid daydreamer also. So Mm -hmm. um, yeah, sometimes getting to, I'm like, well, I daydream a lot. So getting to read someone's work of fiction is like getting to see someone else's daydream. Mm -hmm. And that's just kind of fun Mm -hmm. for me. So yeah, those stories feel important. They make me consider things about people that I wouldn't be able to consider because I can only see life through the lens I've experienced. But getting to view life through someone else's lens, to me, just makes it easier for me to connect to people.
0: And how does it change you when you are able to see, I mean, you're able to connect, but does it, does it change you? And so how?
1: Yes. um, I think I have found things that I feel um, passionately about that I wouldn't have been able to feel Passion, or even like empathy, or like um, kind of even joy, like triumph in reading people's stories. I just read the autobiography of Where is Steary from um, Somalia. She became a supermodel with um, around the same time as Iman, mm-hmm. and um, Naomi Campbell was like a like young and just starting when she was like at the top of the game, and she fled her. Um, She was raising camels. They were like nomads. And her father wanted to marry her off to this 60-year-old man when she was like 14. Mm -hmm. She ran away. But her story just is super enlightening and like empowering and at sometimes really heavy and sad. But made me feel passionate about like women's rights. And they're like people. It's easy for us to be so focused on weird things like my iPhone's acting weird. (laughs) But then to see people who have problems like I'm 14 and I don't want to marry the 60 year old man, so I have to run barefoot through the desert for days. To, it just puts things into perspective and um, helps me to see like what our brothers and sisters are experiencing in other places. Um, for me to feel gratitude and to feel a burden to pray and to make a difference for people who are experiencing real,
0: actual hardship. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Not that iPhone. Not the iPhone weird.
1: It is being weird though.
0: I oh no, mine. Mine is con- Mine erases people from my contacts. What? So that's actually doing the opposite of building community. Um,
1: <laughs> it's unbuilding
0: community. I'm building community, but so what I hear you saying is, um, I mean, there's a lot of different values to reading, but two things that really stood out to me in the context of this conversation is it connects people, and and it it hones our vision on what's important or what's real and when we think on a spiritual context and stories that involve what god's saying or doing we could see the same thing like god calls us to operate as the body and god calls us to stop focusing on the stuff that doesn't matter and to focus on what is eternal and what is real and so i mean i think we could say stories are important but Yet we struggle. Like I think about the times, even at Eastern Fellowship, when there has been a call for stories and sometimes it's almost like pulling teeth. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, even this, this past week, uh, Aaron was going to be doing a sermon and uh, it was sending out the call for somebody to tell a story. And <laughs> Doug jumped in. He's like, come on, y'all. Someone jump in. And, and I think about it, even with this uh, podcast, it's something that I anticipated. Um, But it took a while before people actually started getting me their stories. Um, And and I wasn't surprised by it, but I, I knew it would be an opportunity to kind of dive into why is that. So I don't know. What comes to your mind of, like, why is it that it's so hard for us to think of stories or to tell stories?
1: Yeah, I think... So this is, I saw this thread and I, and some of the answers I was like, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. But for me, I think there are two things that almost feel like opposite things. So one of them is um, the stories feel like we don't notice that they're actually stories because while we're in it, it feels insignificant. It's like, oh no, my story wouldn't, this thing isn't important. This isn't life shattering or life changing for anyone, but it very well is or can be, um, but we don't realize it because to us, it doesn't feel like it's a huge deal. It's like, oh, this thing is pretty insignificant. So Mm -hmm. it's not going to be interesting to anyone. Um, On the flip side, I remember um, when I was a lot younger, my best friend from high school um, lost a child. He was two years old. And at his um, funeral, she said, Uh, She got up to speak and she said, I'm not going to share any stories or memories because they're all I have. And I don't want to give them to anyone else because they feel really personal to me. So I think sometimes they feel really personal. And we've built this culture of like Instagram. That's the snapshot of, oh, our life is perfect. All we're doing is reading books by the water. Um, And any of the things that make us feel vulnerable or like heavy, we don't feel like we should share. Um, so I think that sometimes that's part of it or it feels like a story has to be finished and have an ending and be complete to be a story which is also not true there are lots of stories and some of my favorite stories that I've heard from people or books just don't have a conclusion (laughs) it's like there's no bow that ties it all together at the end it's like oh okay this is a thing that's still happening and I think God is always still writing our story so maybe that makes people also feel like...
0: And I can tell you, I've had at least three or four people come up to me excited about the prospect of sharing a story, but have said, well, I can't share it yet because I feel like it's not done yet. Um, and one thing that I, I share in the the intro to this episode is um, my own story of feeling like God was calling me to share stories, even though I had no idea where the story was going because mm. I felt like he was calling me to connect and to be open and transparent, because he was trying to do something bigger than me finding answers. But I like what you said about um, that spectrum, and I think that's true. And even looking at, you know, the thread that um, Toya references is, uh, I post on Facebook, why is it hard to think of stories of how God's working? Why is it hard for us to tell those stories? And we see that, um, you know, Kyra talks about how sometimes Uh, You know, we're just not paying attention to what God's doing. We might not feel like anything's actually happening. Um, And it can be difficult to recognize that we have a story to tell. Um, You know, Holly shares that sometimes it can be easy to focus um, on the negative and not actually recognize uh, the good things that God is doing and the way that God's working. Um, Brooke talks about that other end of the spectrum, that sometimes God is doing what God is doing feels very personal Uh, Maybe something to share with close friends, but not the wider public, which I agree with. Um, There is definitely a time and place for different stories. And there's also ways of telling stories. Um, Even some things that are going on in my life right now, how I tell it to somebody that I know it's going to be a two-minute conversation, maybe a very short version, but a close friend that I'm sitting with by a fire pit, I might go all in on the story. Yeah, definitely. So if there is this spectrum, if that's a part of this, Um, I guess the trick is figuring out how do we know where we are defaulting to um, or where we're landing in any given moment and how do we move the needle? Um, So, yeah, I mean, for you, in times in your life where you haven't wanted to tell a story or you didn't think you had a story to share, can you think of any moments where you were able to move the needle?
1: Yeah, so I actually love sharing stories, but like one-on-one. So, in front of an entire group of people, if I feel like God's like, hey, it's testimony time, Toya, you should get up and share this thing. I'm like, what? (laughs) But I think that the thing that's been beautiful for me has been when people have been obedient and gotten up and shared. I think I talked about this once at Midsize, about Liz Parziale getting up and talking about um, her journey with um, having Sam, Mm -hmm. their, their first son, and how it really moved me and I had just started working here and I was like losing it in the bathroom and she came and hugged me and prayed with me (laughs) Mm -hmm. and um yeah how I was actually like able to find real deliverance through her giving her testimony Mm -hmm. and so I know that that's been something that's changed my life and so who am I to say no I'm not going to get up and share my story if God is pressing on my heart to share it because someone's deliverance might depend on that. And I want all the people to be free. Mm -hmm. So for me, that's what moves the needle. Like thinking about, Oh, there's a reason. God wants me to share this. Yeah.
0: And I think it, actually, even as you're talking, it makes me think about, um, you know, the thing that I feel is core throughout scripture, um, that, uh, in my time where I was working with young adults that I realized I needed to focus Everything around was what Jesus said is like sums up the law: is to love God and to love others. And I can hear that in your answer. That you know God is doing this thing, so who am I to not share that um, as a way to like honor what God has done and to celebrate what God has done? And then the other piece of love others: that there may be somebody who needs to hear that story. There may be somebody who could be encouraged or challenged or motivated. And who am I to to withhold that gift from yeah. them? because it's uncomfortable or because I don't feel like my story is important. Um, yeah, it's really, that's really powerful.
1: And even the negative stories, I'll mm-hmm. say like, um, for those who feel like, oh, it's all negative. There's nothing happy to make this story feel good. I would challenge and say, um, I have found some of the best, like, deliverance and like victory in those really negative stories so recently one of the things I've been reading have been slave narratives and reading slave narratives because they're sad (laughs) right so they're just like wow I'm a slave and they're crying out to God and like like Lord deliver like do something can't you see that we're um but I am who I am now because of those prayers. And even though those stories didn't end in a really beautiful way for a lot of those slaves, it did, you know, God is constantly completing that work. And so those stories have been such an encouragement to me that even in like this racial reconciliation thing that we're doing, that's like really hard. And we're always like, God, are you, is this even a thing? Um, I'm just like, how many of my ancestors cried out and said the same thing? And look now where God has brought us. And so, even the stories that feel like this story is negative and there's no happy ending to it, God is writing the ending. Tell the part that needs to be told. Like, the story might not just be yours, it's a story that belongs to your whole community. Like, yeah.
0: Well, there's two big things in that. One, uh, so we'll hear a story from David Bailey. And at the end of that, we talk about uh, what the purpose of prayer is, because he mentions that um, he had ancestors that prayed, but they knew that they were praying for future generations, not for themselves. And so there's this idea of there being a value outside of the individual. And we're a very individualistic culture. Mm -hmm. And that is hard for us to see that sometimes there's a value and it's not about us, but it's about future generations. And that's throughout scripture. Um, but something else that came in as you were talking is maybe one of our big problems is even understanding how we're defining a good story. Um, because our default in our minds that if we don't push on it is just that it has a good ending, like you said, that everything works out. But if we gathered a group of people together and asked them to list their top 10 favorite stories, I bet you many of them are hard stories. Many of them do not end with happily ever after. In fact, I think most people would not want to only read books that end, and they lived happily ever after, (laughs) because we're like, that's not even realistic. That's not how things work. And yet, that's how we want our lives to work. That's how we want our stories to be. Um, And so maybe part of this is redefining what a good story is. And I would say, if God is God and God is good, then any story he's writing, is gonna be a good story
1: absolutely
0: it's hard to believe that <laughs> right? it is in especially when
1: you're in the yucky part in the crucifixion mm-hmm. part of the story <laughs> you're mm-hmm. like okay all i see is death and destruction right now but just know like the resurrection part of the story might come later than you expect but it will come yeah
0: well, and here's the creativity of god we talked earlier about how our stories could be for others and I could tell this story about such and such and it and it helps that other person who was in that place. Right. And that's very real. But there's also the creativity of God is it works the other way, too. Sometimes we are telling a story that we don't feel like is is good or we don't feel like is happy or we don't feel like is finished. And in telling it, the person that we're with is able to speak into us mm, and validate our story so true. or help us to see something that we missed or to encourage us and say, oh, my gosh, like I was there, too. The story gets better um, and again that that like calls us to get away from our individualist culture of I can do everything by myself and I have to rely on others <laughs> I have to rely on God so storytelling is really robust really yes. powerful really important um, so what advice um, you know to, to the thousands of listeners who uh, may receive a call on Facebook from a pastor, Saying, "Hey, I need a testimony this Sunday," or you know, we do mid-sized gal- gatherings at East End Fellowship where the mic's open and and we want to hear as many voices as possible. What would you say to that person who has a story to tell that doesn't realize it?
1: Yeah, I would say, because <laughs> I those make me anxious. Um, I would say definitely listen to the Holy Spirit. If you feel like God is prompting you to share, share do not <laughs> not share it if you feel like God is prompting you to share um because there's absolutely a reason he's asking you to share and you're not insignificant you're not unimportant your story is not silly um it is definitely part of the, of the kingdom at work and so we need to hear it like it's important um don't sit on it don't sit on it don't hide your candle under a bushel
0: no gotta let it shine let it shine (laughs) (laughs) well any uh final thoughts
1: Hmm. no i'm glad you're doing this podcast paul this is fun
0: yeah i'm enjoying it yeah i don't know where this train's going but it's moving somewhere (laughs) i was like
1: listen the story's still being written yep
0: So the act of making people uncomfortable by asking them to tell their stories is not a new thing for me. Um, In my last job, I was in charge of the overall culture and context and experience of young adults who came in to serve uh, with a local ministry here. And I knew that one of the most important things that I could do is before talking about the work, before talking about how great they were, I needed to make sure we had a foundation of knowing that God is God and God is good. A foundation of knowing the importance of loving God and loving others. And a, a foundation of knowing that God is present and active and speaking. And we have the privilege of being able to look for that. And so I had this practice of whenever a group came in for an extended amount of time, pressuring them with that story that I told in the first episode of where I got that question of, where did you see God today? And what I would do is, after I told them the story, I would kind of test drive it, see who had a story to share, but then randomly, throughout our training sessions, I would stop and say, hey, I have a question for you. Where did you see God today? And I knew, I knew that it was uncomfortable. I knew that there would be silence. But here's the beautiful thing. Um, (laughs) Pursuing God is really uncomfortable sometimes, right? But if you think back to the times that you've done it, there came a point where suddenly that discomfort shifted and there was something different there. And what I would find is usually you'd have that one person, maybe it's that extrovert that that loves sharing stories, and, and they'd be the one to speak up first. But then the next day, Somebody else would find a little bit of a courage. And then the next day, there's two people that both raise their hand at the same time. They both want to share. And what my goal was, is it wasn't even about the stories. It was about creating a culture of looking for God and sharing what God was doing. Because what I would find is that as folks shared those stories, I would see nods. And hear those affirmational hums hmm, throughout the group. So this isn't new to me, <laughs> but I do think there's a real value to what we're jumping into here. And I'm really excited to share that we have our first sit down at the mic story. And it's from oh, one of my friends of, gosh, 10 years now, David Bailey. Uh, David is the executive director of Airban, an organization you need to look up right now. And I was really grateful when he saw my mic and said, Oh, I have a story, and sat down. Cool. So um,
2: last week I was in uh, Selma, Alabama. You might remember Selma, not from the movie, but I mean, the movie talked about something greater, and that's um, what we remember as Bloody Sunday. It was a time when um, uh, Dr. King and some folks uh, wanted to do a march, and uh, the Alabama, where the Selma police kind of came against and uh, uh, beat folks up, and it was significant, like Bloody Sunday, and it was that spark that ended up being a catalyst to move uh, the civil rights movement. And so uh, I was leading the pilgrimage down in the South, and um, we got stopped in Selma, and uh, got a chance to spend with this really uh, great sister named Anika. I forgot the nigga's last name, but she runs the uh, Center for uh, Nonviolence and um, Truth and Reconciliation um, based off of Dr. King's principles. And it just, you know, it's my second time being down there being with those brothers and sisters. And it was really great to uh, talk to them. And here's where I saw God. Selma wasn't necessarily like a thriving Alabama city in the first place, but then it really, really got... Even all the more, um, it just got even more de- economically depressed, uh, and there was just a lot of like, I mean, like literally like KKK officials and 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 it's a, um, now a majority black. Uh, it's a majority black city, um, but but minority controlled of white folks, and they are like literally like white supremacist organizations that. Study Selma to try to figure out how, uh, as the as the country becomes more and more minority, they look at Selma as a way so that how to how you can keep a minority power and control over uh, in a minority majority context. So so. So basically, if you're a white person, how can you keep control when you become the minority? So a lot of white supremacist organizations study some for how to do that. And uh, it is, you know, it's like, so what do you see God in this? It was really beautiful, man. Just, I saw some really, some folks, man, that love Jesus. So people that were, like, struggling, economically struggling. I mean, there aren't as many black folks, and then it's basically doing well. Um, Monique and her family come from a family of two lawyers and she's a lawyer herself and she's moved back to Selma to try to help empower. But, I mean, you aren't dealing, I mean, you're talking with some people who are <clears throat> somewhere between poor and on welfare and, and, and very economically unstable Two people who have, uh, who are lawyers that are choosing uh, to stay in a fight with poor brothers and sisters. Uh, to and aren't at their highest earning potential, and probably you know on the struggle themselves. I don't. We didn't talk finances, but there wasn't a lot of economic opportunity. Where I saw God was every Monday morning during the weekday, they have what they call the fathers, uh, the uh, the army of fathers and the army of mothers. They come together and they pray. Uh, for about an hour or some change every You're morning at the M.S. Pettis Bridge. And they're praying to say, hey, like just how God uh, um, used Selma for Bloody yeah, Sunday to spark um, a revolution in the civil rights movement. So these um, fathers, uh, this army of fathers and this army of mothers come together and pray. And their prayer is just like... Uh, how Selma was evening, a catalytic uh, move to end the kind of Civil War, so that really battle in Selma, helping the uh, Civil and War, and, and how uh, um, the Edmund Predis Bridge, and Bridge and Bloody, Bloody Sunday, Sunday was a catalyst to uh, make some progress in the Civil Rights Movement. Yeah. Every Monday, Friday, they get together and pray for God to make some breakthrough <laughs> in the city of Selma so that revival can happen in the nation. This is in the midst of, like, I mean, there's a lot of violence going on in Selma, uh, a disproportionate amount of things, a lot of uh, darkness and economic opportunities and race relations in the midst of all that darkness. we're center bound, grace abounds all the more. And these brothers and sisters are praying every Monday through Friday at the Edmund Pettus Bridge uh, uh, praying for revival, and praying for God to show up. So I saw a guy this last week. I uh, went out to
0: Selma, Alabama. Let yeah, me ask you a question. Sure. Um, so they're they're praying every Monday, right? Oh,
2: not Monday through Friday.
0: Or they're praying every Monday through Friday. Like yeah. Every, every day. Yeah. Oh man. Um, so they're praying every day, right? Things are still hard. I think about Richmond Hill and how there's been people praying for Richmond uh, for for decades, for like a hundred years, and things have still been hard in Richmond. What did you learn about? the purpose and power of prayer, knowing that.
2: And I think the purpose and power of prayer, um, like a lot of times we might pray for like, it's funny, we might pray for like a minute, you know, pray one time or pray, you know, inconsistently and feel like, oh, God didn't show up and God didn't do stuff. And for me, my prayer life has significantly been shaped by people who are enslaved individuals. I have ancestors who were praying that one day this would change and they didn't have they weren't praying that it would change in their lifetime they were praying it would change for their children's children Um, and it did eventually happen so it's like you can't tell me prayer doesn't work it just doesn't always work when we want it to work but there's god either god might do the thing that you're asking him to do but god is always doing something inside of you and the people around in ways that are really significant So um, when I think about the kind of faith that enslaved Africans had uh, for hundreds of years I'm just like I don't have a right to give up on God like and so much of my faith is conditional and their faith was unconditional and so you know we we could see God being at work for people who spent time praying
0: When you hit on a a cultural thing that even, I I don't know why I was thinking about this recently, but one thing you said is, you know, you have ancestors who were praying and they weren't praying for themselves. They were praying for future generations. You look at scripture, it's the same deal the way that um, leaders of the Israelites spoke. Oftentimes when they spoke or prayed, they were talking in terms of the Israelite nation, past, present, future. And we live in a time where the culture is very individualistic. It's very much... How my relationship with God is for me yeah. when I pray is for me Yeah. Um, and I think it's really it's a beautiful reminder of what you share that sometimes the purpose of our relationship with God and the purpose of our prayer is beyond us it's something yeah. greater something farther reaching generations down the line that's cool man
2: yeah I think I think prayer is one is to help shape us to open up our heart to be more aware of God and what God is doing and, and way of others and then you know, and I think secondary is do whatever it is that we're praying
0: for. I know that what I'm doing here in asking you, a podcast listener, to share your story, is awkward, is uncomfortable. And you know what? I I know that not everybody is going to share, and that's not my expectation. But here is what I would hope: I would hope that you would be challenged to consider sharing your story. That you would be challenged in asking yourself, why is it that I don't wanna share? Is it that I, I don't think I even have a story, that my wor- story is not worth telling? Is it that I don't feel comfortable using my voice <laughs> to, to share stories, putting myself in the spotlight? I mean, you could have any number of reasons that aren't bad reasons, but in asking those questions, you could position yourself to find out if there is something keeping you from moving forward that shouldn't be keeping you from moving forward. Now, here's the thing. It is not about the stories for me here. Um, Stories are important and valuable, but it's about creating that culture. And so if you decide that there are good reasons to not share your story with this podcast, but you find yourself motivated to share your story with a friend, then I am happy. So I can promise you That if you believe in God, that God is at work for you. That God is giving you a story to tell. Fun fact, even if you don't believe in God, it's probably true for you as well. But for those of you that call yourself believers, God is constantly speaking and moving and acting. Look for it and then take the opportunity to share that story with someone else. Thank you so much for making time to listen to the podcast today and... As you go forward through your day, I just want to ask you a question. Where did you see God? Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Where Did You See God podcast. And I would love for your stories to be a part of it as well. So there are a number of ways that you can do that. You can check out our Facebook page at Where Did You See God podcast. You can go to anchor.fm slash where did you see God, or you can leave a brief voice message at 804-372-3836. I would love to hear your stories. And if the stories you've heard have encouraged you, uh, think of someone else who could be encouraged as well and share it with them. The music you've been listening to is You'll Walk, You'll Run by Urban Doxology. They are a solid group and you will love listening to the rest of their music. So check them out. And as always, as you go through your day, ask yourself, where did you see God?